We worship the Lord this morning. We step into his joy, his freedom. Holy Spirit is here, moving in us and amongst us as the body of Christ. We thank you, Lord, and we praise you this morning. Step into the joy of the Lord. 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 My heart's been thirsty and hungry for more. My soul's been waiting for you to restore me. I've got real joy now. Yes, it's real joy. And it's greater than I imagined. It's great. 
This is the joy. This is the joy that I've been waiting for. This is the joy of the Lord. Yeah, yeah. Hallelujah. Yeah. Listen, great.
around here for New Year's Eve and the new year. But I love that we don't need a date or an event to celebrate because Jesus is King, not just on Christmas, not just on Easter, not just on the New Year's, every single day. And I love that around this area, I'm sure no one else is partying on a Sunday morning in the daylight, when the sun is up, when we wake up, except for us and the believers in the Lord. Because that's something to wake up for. That we could party in the freedom of the Holy Spirit. That we come alive. That we could be festive and feast on the goodness of the Lord. So we're gonna we're gonna sing it again. We come alive. We come alive in the river. We come alive in the river. We come alive in the river. We come alive in the river.
I've seen cancer disappear. I've seen metal plates dissolve. Don't you tell me he can't do it. Don't you tell me he can't do it. I've seen a real life resurrection. I've seen mental health restored. Don't you tell me he can't do it. Don't you tell me he can't do it. I've seen families reunited. I've seen prodigals return. Don't you tell me he can't do it. Don't you tell me he can't do it. I've seen troubled souls delivered. I've seen acts finally free. Don't you tell me he can't do it. Don't you tell me he can't do it. We'll see cities in revival and salvation flood the streets. Don't you tell me he can't do it. Don't you tell me he can't do it. We'll see glory fill the nations like the world has never seen. Don't you tell me he can't do it. Cause I know that he can. I believe you're the wonder-working God. You're the wonder-working God. I've seen cancer disappear. I've seen metal plates dissolve. Yes, I know that he can do it. Yes, I know that he can do it. I've seen a real life resurrection. I've seen mental health restored. Don't you know that he can do it? Yes, I know that he can do it. I've seen families reunited. I've seen prodigals return. Yes, I know that he can do it. Yes, I know that he can do it. I've seen troubled souls delivered. I've seen addicts finally free. Yes, I know that he can do it. Yes, I know that he can do it. We'll see cities in revival. And salvation flood the streets. Yes, I know that he can do it. Yes, I know that he can do it. 
what are you praising the Lord for this morning? What is it that you need to rejoice in the goodness of God over your life for, you know? You can be seated. You know, Scripture says that if we don't praise Him, the rocks will cry out. You know, just think about that, how God has control over all things. And one of the things that he wants us to do is be people that acknowledge him in everything that we do. You know, I was reading through some scripture today and this morning in my office. And, you know, I tend to read the the Proverbs and the Psalms for the day. It's kind of a good way to just get yourself going. And, and, uh, you know, tomorrow is the 27th. And I was reading the 26th and 27th Psalms and Proverbs. And it was interesting because my, my mind came across the line in, in, in Psalms 24, or excuse me, Psalms 27, verse 4. And it says this, And I have asked one thing from the Lord. It is what I desire, to dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, going, and I love, or excuse me, gazing on the beauty of the Lord and seeking him in his temple. You know, think about that. The presence, you're, you're, we're a, a finite being in the natural, right? You know, the older you get, you realize how you're wearing out, right? Your body's not what it used to be. You can't handle what you used to do. But in the spirit, we're growing day by day. And we will be living in the presence of the Lord forever and ever. And one of the things that I want to challenge us is we're, you know, this is, I don't know what you call this, this next coming week. We usually call it a dead week. How many of you call it that? You know, the dead week, nothing's going on. People are on vacation. There's not a lot of things happening usually. But one of the things the Lord wants us to do is to make a resolve in our heart to serve him all the days of our life. It doesn't matter how young we are, how old we are. It doesn't matter what life circumstances come our way. We are called to make a resolution to serve the Lord. And the one thing I know about after years and years of making resolutions, how many of you make a resolution that doesn't make it through January? Anyone? You know? How about, you know, they say statistically, they say that 9 out of 10 resolutions for the new year don't even make it to March. So basically making a a resolution in the natural isn't going to do anything. But when you resolve to serve the Lord, when you resolve to serve Him, and you set that as your goal, you say, "May, may your praise ever be on my lips. May your praise always be on my lips, Lord. And one of the things I want to challenge us as we look at this, the coming of the close of this year is, I always do this at the end of the year. I have a a birthday at the end of the year, and I always do an evaluation. What was this past year like? What things can I do better? What things do I have to change? What things do I have to make a a, a 360 spin around to, to look at? What things do I need to do a 180 change on? And one of the things God wants us to do is to say, I will be a person who dwells in your presence daily. How does that happen? We get in the Word, and the Word gets in us. And we're transformed, how? By the renewing of our mind. That we have the mind of Christ over situations and circumstances. And when we do that, we see things from a different perspective. You know, I was listening to some worship music the other day, and it was just, I was in my garage just kind of putzing. That's Pennsylvania Dutch for doing nothing but looking busy, you know? And I was putzing in my garage, and I had worship music on, and the worship leader was saying how you are to be seated in your heavenly places. And I thought to myself, you know, we're, we're walking around this earth on a natural level, but yet we're seated with Christ in heavenly places. And your perspective is changed when you're seated with Christ. You know, I don't know about you. Have you ever been with someone that's been really important, you know, and you're on your best behavior? Well, you know, when you're with Christ, we should always be on our best behavior. And it should change the way we look at things. It should change the way we act. It should change the way we view ourselves and view others. And so I want to ask us this morning, as you're looking at the end of one year and the beginning of a new, what 
what things can you ask the Lord to do in your life? What things can you say, Lord, may I dwell in your house every day? And what things do I need to change? So what is God saying to you about 2021? Besides, thank God it's almost over, right? Well, what is the Lord saying he wants you to look at in your life to make a change so that 2022 will be different? Holy Spirit, I just pray you'd speak to our hearts right now. Lord, each of us are on a different pathway, but they're all leading to the same place, your throne. And I pray that, Father, your Holy Spirit would speak to us very clearly and very precisely of how we should live this next year and what we should make changes in our lives to do, Lord, so that we're closer to you. And God, what do you want to take hold in our life to use for your glory? What things do you want to breathe on so that there will be life? And what things do you want to cover over so that they can be passed away so that we can move into a, a new level of intensity with you, a new level of, of understanding of what it means to dwell in your house every single day of our life and, and, and gaze upon your beauty, Lord? What, what things do you want our eyes to be refocused on, Lord, so that we can see you in your splendor and your glory and your honor? And Lord, what do you want to position us to be in this next year? What changes do we have to make in our own lifestyle, Lord, that would make us and draw us closer to you? What things, oh God, do we have to do to, to position ourselves in such a way that we can be life-changed men and women of faith? I pray that, Lord, you would reveal to us your plan and purpose in a very clear and very uh, unhindered way this next coming year, Lord. I pray that, Father, you would fill each of us with the presence of your Holy Spirit in a way like we've never been before. And I pray that, Lord, we would walk this next year in, in the revelation and understanding of your goodness and your mercy and your loving kindness over us as your sons and daughters. So, Lord, right now we just yield ourselves to you. Lord, we surrender ourselves 100% to what you want to do in our lives. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen. Amen. Aren't you glad the Lord loves you? Aren't you glad the Lord has something very special in store for you? You know, I, it's always interesting when I talk to people, and a lot of times I'll have a conversation with someone, and they'll say, you know, I, I think the Lord's out to get me. I said, yeah, he is. He's out to get you to make you better, not to harm you, but to prosper you, to give you a future and a hope. And I, I thank God that we can serve a God that is compassionate. His mercies, they say, are new every morning. Aren't you glad? That it's not like old, it's not stale, it's not like that, you know, that, that croissant you leave on the counter for a couple days and then you could pound nails in with it, but it's always fresh, it's always new, it's always gracious. And I thank God for that. Hey, we have a couple things here I want to share with you. Uh, Welcome all of you. You're all regulars here, it looks like, those of you that are here. Uh, we have uh, a couple things going on with our daily devotionals. Pastor Lynn's going to be taking a break this week from our Fill to the Brim. I'll be taking a break from my Romans uh, devotional, but we'll start up next uh, next year. How's that? Sound like a good plan? And doesn't it sound weird to say next year? Uh, but one of the things we do have for you, if you're interested, we're going to be having... Uh, the Baptism of the Holy Spirit Retreat. And some of you are here, some of you are online listening, but I want to explain what that is. The Baptism of the Holy Spirit Retreat is a retreat where we spend a, a Thursday evening through a Friday afternoon, uh, and we just really press in to seek what the Holy Spirit gifts are for us. You know, the Scripture says that in the last days I'm going to pour out my Spirit upon all flesh, that your sons and daughters shall prophesy. And a lot of people, when they think of the, the gifts of the Spirit, they, they don't know what it is. 
And we've had people say, well, I've been baptized in the Spirit when I got water baptized. But that's water baptism. That's not spirit baptism. And one of the things that baptism of the Holy Spirit wants to do in our life is empower us with overcoming supernatural power. And it's a filling of the Spirit. We believe there's a, uh, the, the point of salvation. And once you're, you're, you come into Christ, you're saved. You have the Holy Spirit. But there is a, a fullness of the Holy Spirit that God wants to give us. And that is overcoming and overcoming power and a, an abiding presence of the Lord in our life everywhere we go. And we want to cultivate that in it. So a couple years ago, we started doing this. And we're going to do it as, as long as we're pastors here, as long as there's a need. Right now, I think we have there's always a need, yeah. And so right now, I think we have eight people signed up to go. Uh, we're going to be in, in San Juan Batista. It's on a, a Thursday night, uh, 5 o'clock. We'll meet for dinner, and uh, it'll be a time where we'll pray, a time of seeking the Lord. We're going to partner people with prayer partners, people that are already filled with the Holy Spirit that could cultivate and coach you in that, help you to br have that spiritual breakthrough. And if you're a place where you just feel like, man, I just want more of the Lord and you haven't pressed in, I'd really encourage you to take the time, 24 hours, and just press into the Lord. We turn off our cell phones, we disconnect from everything, and we just seek the presence of the Lord. So I want to really encourage you, if you're interested in, in going to that, I have a, a couple pin drives here that have worship music on in both English and Spanish. Uh, we'll have a devotional out next week for you that'll have scriptures that you can read to prepare and really cultivate that presence of the Holy Spirit in your life. Uh, that leads right up to our Thirst Conference, which we have, which is a, a powerful time. Every year we do it in January. And January for us as a church is a time of recalibrating to what God wants. And so the Thirst Conference is great. It's, it's going to be for us. It's, it's for this church those of you that are here in Morgan Hill, South Valley, to really plug in and, and really press into the Lord for the new year. I believe that when you make that commitment to really press into the Lord, the Lord draws near. Scripture says, draw near to me and I will draw near to you. And so we want to draw near to the Lord on that Friday night and Saturday. And then on Sunday morning, we'll have the Teen Challenge Choir here with us. It'll be a great weekend of just celebration. And then what we do is part of our Daniel fast every year which starts on January 9th. Uh, we have uh, devotional guides for, the, for you. They're out in the foyer right now. And the whole purpose of the Daniel Fast is to recalibrate to what God wants us to do for the next year. And I always tell people, don't be a legalist. It's not about, you know, I, I always tell people that if you're out with someone and there's not Daniel Fast food on the thing, don't say, oh, I'm fasting, I can't eat. Just walk in grace. But make a time to dedicate to the Lord, to draw near to Him, and to really press into what the Lord has for you. And it's really a, it's a powerful time. It really, every year there's spiritual things that happen, insights that we have, and a depth of understanding we have of the Lord that happens. So that'll be a, a great opportunity for you. Uh, another thing we have coming up this next year, we'll be taking a trip to Israel. Uh, those of you that would like to go to Israel, we have, uh, I think we have uh, 15 or 16 people going right now. We need a group of 25. There's our church and another church in the, in the uh, San Ramon area that's going to be going with us. But it's going to be a really great opportunity. If you want information, there's flyers out in the foyer. You can grab it or talk to me after service. Uh, one other thing we have is uh, year-end giving. This is the last Sunday service of the year. Uh, and if you want to have any giving 
credited for 2021. You could either drop it in the offering today. If you're listening online, you could mail it as long as it's postmarked by the 31st or you can go to our website and do it through PayPal. And as long as it's posted by the 31st of this year, you'll get giving credit for 2021. All right. Uh, our missionary partners of the week, we have actually two we're going to have this morning. Uh, we have uh, Women of the World, which is Pastor Lynn's organization, which we'll be, we'll be uh, sharing with. We do a lot of things globally with that. And, uh, but I want to call up our local missionaries, Fred and Judith. They're going to uh, Uganda, and they're going to be leaving this week to go to Uganda. And one thing I love about you two, you're, you guys are like the Energizer Bunnies. You just never stop giving, you know? And uh, they've been to India with us. They've been to all over the world. So do you want to share with what you're going to be doing in Uganda? We'll be going to an undeveloped part of the country. I'll be showing the Jesus film. And we'll be talking, and we have a radio address scheduled, so would y'all pray for us? That's great. Don't you love that? You know, I love the fact that you guys, uh, and my wife and I were talking about this yesterday. I don't want to embarrass you, but I want to appreciate you. You, you both have taken a, a stand in your, your golden years, or your silver years for you, Judy. Uh, you know, where you, you, you don't just sit on the sidelines and watch. You're out there doing it, and it's, it's an inspiration to myself and my wife, and, and I, I know you're uh, uh, going to be a blessing to Uganda. So let's just reach towards them. Let's pray over them. Father, we thank you for Judy and for Fred. We pray, Father, that you would work out every detail of this trip. Lord, I pray for their safe travel. I pray for uh, getting into the country. I pray that there'd be no complications with the airlines. I pray there'd be no difficulty with uh, crossing into the country. I pray, Father, that even now, God, you'd be opening the hearts of the people to listen to the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And Lord, we pray protection over them. We pray favor over them, God. We pray a, an anointing upon their life like they've never known before. May they walk in a new season with you, Lord. And may many people that in that precious country of Uganda come to hear the, the, the life-giving words of Jesus Christ and that the, the words that say, and whom the Son sets free are free indeed. And we pray that you'd use this couple in ways that just blow their minds, Lord, and may they uh, come back with testimonies of people being delivered and healed and set free, Lord. And may the anointing of the Spirit be upon them. May, may they be like the apostles, Lord, where they're just walking by people and their shadow brings healing to them, Lord. And as they pray that people will be set free, God, and we just release over them supernatural power, God, that they would walk in the fullness of your Spirit like they've never known before to do great things for you so that they could stand back and say, look what the Lord has done. In your precious name we ask. Amen. Amen. Bless you guys. Hey, I, I want to encourage you to uh, keep them in your prayers. You're going to be gone for how many days? 12 days. So for the next two weeks or so, let's just pray for them that God has, uh, you know, uh, some people are called to give. Some people are called to go. Some people are called to pray. And uh, I know from traveling with them that they have an anointing on their life. There's a special blessing they have of sharing the gospel with people. So let's just pray that God would just richly bless them. Amen? I mean, I'm proud of you guys. You're, you're a, an example of what Pastor Lynn and I want to do someday when we, uh, we get to those silver golden ages, right? 
So let's pray. We're going to pray for the offering and uh, ask the Lord to bless it. Father, we thank you that we can give to you back a small portion of what you have blessed us with. And we pray for each person, Lord. May you bless both the gift and the giver, Lord. And I ask that this offering would be used to advance your kingdom, not just here in the South Valley, but not just in California, not just in the States, but globally, Lord. And we pray, Father, that this offering would be used supernaturally to bless the kingdom of God. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen. Amen. God bless you as you give. Hey, did anyone not receive one of these little slips when you walked in? If you didn't raise your hand, then I'll give you one. All right. Lord bless you and keep you. Make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. Lord, turn his face toward you and give you peace. Praise the Lord. Lord's good. Amen. You know what? This is a holy day. See, I don't think it's so holy. No, it's holy. You know why? We're, this is the last Sunday of the year. This is the last Sunday of the year, and the Lord says it's holy. He says it's holy. He has a word for you today. Actually, you're going to be glad you're here today. The Lord has a word for you to reveal empowerment that he has on you. You know, one thing that you need to know about uh, Pastor David and Pastor Lynn is that we're not going to be uh, shutting down church services no matter how close it is to the holiday. We're going to be open. If there's two, if there's one, we will preach like it's to 5,000 because we believe the most important thing we can do is to worship, right? And I, I'm just being honest with you. That's the way we are going to, that's our conviction. And in a world, in our culture, and in a world that really suffers from spiritual closeness and nearness to Jehovah, the true and living God, we can't, we can't stop pulling people toward him. Come on, you know what? It's just a few of us here. I know y'all looking down, don't want to look at me in the eyes. <laughs> Except for Robin. Robin's all like, come on, Pastor Lynn. See, the truth is this. We've got to be the muscle Christians in our world. In our world. And, you know, the older I get, and the older Pastor David gets, and we're, his birthday is on um, Tuesday? Tuesday? It's the 28th. What's the 28th? It's Tuesday. The older I get, the more I see how time is precious, and what we do with it is precious, and what we do with it matters, it matters what you do with your time. It's an investment. We actually spend time. We actually spend time, and what you've done with it will show forth in your life. So when you spend time with the Lord, it's going to show forth in your life. How you cultivate that time with the Lord. And um, I just want to let you know, as long as we're here, we're going to plow away. I mean, rain or shine. 
at this house, we're going to stay consistent and perseverant in what we're building because we have been called, this house has been called to be oaks of righteousness. Oaks of righteousness and in a county and in a land and in a state that it's difficult. And the Lord has called us to do this and we're going to do it. It's not a question mark, it's an exclamation mark. Praise God, Pastor Lynn. Yes, Pastor Lynn. Amen, Pastor Lynn. <laughs> Come on, people. We're going to be on our Daniel Fest in a, in a few days, and I'm looking forward to that time because I have great expectation of what the Lord's going to do in 2022. And I was just thinking, as Pastor David had that manual up, Daniel Fast on it, that it says about Daniel, and Daniel resolved not to defile himself. Daniel, in the culture that he was in, resolved. I like that word because resolved means nobody is going to influence me otherwise. And he was a young man, most likely late teens, early 20s. And he goes into the Babylonian kingdom to serve, was chosen. And he right away resolves something. He resolves something. I'm not speaking about Daniel. But I'm saying, you know what? In 2022, guess what we're going to do? We're going to resolve. We're going to resolve something. We're going to have that resolve. And you know what that means? Is I, if there are things that are defiling me, Lord, bring it up. Get rid of it. Get rid of it. Okay, here we go. So we're going to talk, though, about Elijah. It's a good thing because Elijah was like a prophet that was fired up, and I'm a prophet that's fired up today. It's a holy day. It's a holy moment. It's a holy time. It's a time of divine change. This has been a theme that the Holy Spirit just stirred over my spirit again and again. And I'm going to say this, that the Lord is about battle strategy, See, the fact is, is we are in a spiritual battle, and it's real. It is a real spiritual battle. You're in a spiritual battle. Part of being a Christian and walking out our assignment on this earth is being in a spiritual battle. Not until you get to heaven does that battle for your assignment end. But in that spiritual battle, seasons change. If you read in the Old Testament specifically because there are narratives, stories about battles, about God's people in battle, that narrative shows that God changes strategy for battles, doesn't he? It's not the same time, same thing every time. He changes strategy. How many times did David use a sling and five stones? Once. But he was in many battles. I'm just telling you that we can't rest on the laurels of strategy for our lives, for the lives of people around us on some sort of methodology, but we've got to be in relationship to the general of this battle, and the general is the overseer of this battle. He sees all things, and we bend our ear to say, Lord, what is it that you want me to do? See, because the mission on our lives, as we go through seasons of our lives, as time changes, as, as years change, as we're encountering and entering into 2022, we have to bend our ear to say, Lord, how do you want me to battle this? How do you want me to approach this? 
I think that's really important because I think some people, some believers, and you're all believers in this room, we can get into a coasting, a coasting that can kind of take us from intimacy from the Lord and get into such a place of neutral that we think we can reach for a method and think it's going to work for a battle that kind comes up. And all of a sudden, it's not working. And we wonder why, but it's because we're not close to the general. Come on. And, and so that's why it's important for us to stay near to the Lord. We have to keep bending our ear to the things of God, to the voice of God, to the ways of God. So we find in Scripture examples of this. We find in Scripture examples of people who embrace. That's why I talk about divine change. Most people, many people don't like the word change because change means I'm uncomfortable. Change means I have to learn something. Change means I'm not in control. Right? And that means I have to walk by faith, not by sight. When I'm not in control, I have to depend on God because I don't know what I'm doing. How many of you have ever actually felt, I don't know what I'm doing here, Lord? I'm not the only one. Well, guess what? I'm pastoring you. I don't really know what I'm doing, by the way. I don't know. I just go every day, Lord. You teach me. You show me. I listen to you. I do what you tell me to do. I say what you tell me to say. Well, Elijah is a great example of divine change because Elijah is used by God to bring about change for the people. See, we're not only people that God wants to change, but he wants to use us as change agents. You know, um, we have to beware of, especially in the Western world, belly button Christian. It's all about me, self-improvement, prosperity, my healing from my past, everything. No, it's not just about you. It's about you becoming a change agent for the world. He wants us to be powerful people in the earth. And he wants to use that power that is within us. Actually, Ephesians 3.20 says this, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us. People quote this but they forget the last part. According to his power that is work within us. Oh, I want the immeasurably more. Oh, Lord, give me immeasurably more. According to the power that is at work in you. In you. So if that power is not at work in you, you got a problem with the immeasurably more. See, there's partnership. There's partnership with the Holy Spirit. And so we have an example of somebody that comes onto the scene. Actually, Elijah, you don't know much about him until he comes onto the scene as a prophet in 1 Kings chapter 17. And what's the deal here is this. He declares a drought over the land. There's going to be a drought over the land. That's how he comes on to the scene. There's going to be a, a drought. And why is God bringing about a drought? Because the people of God have become compromised. So God is going to get their attention. They've become compromised because they're serving the gods of the world. And specifically, they're serving the God of Baal. 
Now, Baal's an interesting uh, god. He was one of the more uh, prominent of the pantheon in the Canaanite territory because he represented fire and water. He also represented fertility because it was an agricultural society. So what they were doing is because they wanted prosperity, they wanted physical wealth. That sounds familiar. They served the God of the world. And God is going to address his people. You know, it's interesting because even throughout time and generations, one of the greatest downfalls for human beings is to increasingly become influenced by the gods of this world, especially when you believe it's going to get you wealthy or prosperous. I'm just going to be real here. Even the people of God. Even the people of God. So I start to, at first, I serve Jehovah, but then, little by little, I start to kind of give time, give attention, give philosophy, give mentality towards the things of the world and the ways of the world. This has always been a problem and a challenge, and God sends prophets to address it, to bring the people back. And that's what God is doing with Elijah, because Elijah is called to bring about change. You see, we still serve a jealous God. There's not going to be many amens today. I don't know. But God wants to turn, have the hearts of his people. God wants your affection. God wants your devotion. God wants your worship. And what I mean by worship is not when we just come here and sing. I mean worship in your daily life that you are number one in whatever I do in my life. You are the one I consider in what I do, how I talk, what I use my money for, my entertainment, my relationships, how I I live my life. I worship you and you are considered in these things, Lord, because you're number one. That's what it means. That's what it means. And so what happens here is Joshua, not Joshua, Elijah is called to confront the prophets of Baal. Elijah is called to confront them. So they have this big showdown, this big battle on Mount Carmel, 1 Kings 18, 20 through 21. So Ahab sent for all the people of Israel and gathered the prophets together at Mount Carmel. And Elijah came near to all the people and said, How long will you go limping between two different opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal, then follow him. And the people did not answer him a word. Ooh, crickets. (laughs) Now remember, Elijah is one. The prophets of Baal, we will find out, are 450. And then you have Israel watching. Now, I've actually seen Mount Carmel, so I I can see the picture of where they were because when you go with us to Israel, that is one place that you see is Mount Carmel. But the first thing that Elijah does is he confronts their thinking. He confronts their mindset. How long will you go back and forth between two opinions? 
How long will you sometimes want God and sometimes want the world and believe somehow that there's an integration of those things? Oh, wow. That you can have both God and the world. This is a big challenge for the church. How long will you believe that's okay? Because God says it's not okay. So Elijah, Elijah, what am I saying? So Elijah confronts the double-mindedness. He confronts the back and forth. Now, let me just say this. We, as God's children, we have the Holy Spirit in us. Amen? And therefore, we have greater power than those people did at that time. Because we within us have the same power that raised Christ from the dead. So we have an ability now through the power of the Holy Spirit, his work in us, his presence in us, to walk with a transformed mind. So you see here, there is this like parallel. Elijah is confronting the mindset of the people of God. And then if we go into the New Testament, we find that the book of James, which James is one that speaks of Elijah and the ministry of Elijah specifically, this is what, he, what James says about double-mindedness. James 1, 2 through 7. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. The testing of your faith produces perseverance. Lord, I don't want a test. And the Lord says, no, it produces something that's good. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be, what, mature. So that you might be a muscle Christian and complete, not lacking anything. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask of God, who generously gives to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt, because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all they do. Now, let me just say this. James is speaking to the Jerusalem church. He's the bishop of the Jerusalem church. James, this is the brother of Jesus. I'm going to say this. See, we have the Holy Spirit in us, and James is speaking to the people who have the Holy Spirit in them, and that's why he's landing pretty hard on them, because there's a big difference between not having the Holy Spirit in you and having the Holy Spirit in you, and he's saying, listen, you have the Holy Spirit in you, and therefore, your doubting is actually a problem. See, in the Old Testament, they didn't have the Holy Spirit in them, and actually, in Jesus' ministry, remember we, we quote this a lot, I believe, help my unbelief, you know, that story. And we say, oh, okay, so therefore, you know, it's okay if I have unbelief or doubt. But the truth is this, that was prior to the Holy Spirit being poured out on people. That was prior to the Holy Spirit dwelling in people. And now James comes and he says, listen. You have a different standard here with how you think. That double-mindedness should not be in you. It should not be in me. It should not be in us. 
because we have the Holy Spirit in us. And as we know in Scripture, it says in multiple places, you have the mind of Christ. You have the ability, even in this Scripture, you can have his wisdom. So we see here with the story in Elijah that Elijah's confronting thinking. Before he ever gets to fire falling, before he ever gets to drought broken and waters coming, he confronts the people's thinking because that's where it all begins. And so many times people, humans, hear the word of the Lord but don't change their thinking. So many times we could even have a great worship experience cry at an altar, whatever we want, receive a prophetic word, and then leave with the same worldly thinking or integrated thinking with the world. And I'm saying to us on this house that the Lord is saying, I don't want double-mindedness in the people. See, the Lord wants to give you his thoughts about your circumstances. He wants to give you the transformed mind. And there is a testing in our thought life. James actually kind of talks about this. There's a testing in our thought life. Things, our actions begin in our thought life. Our attitudes begin in our thought life. And James is saying, you know that testing that you're going through? That trial that you're going through, that thing that you say, oh, please remove God, I am using that. The Lord is using that. The Lord is using that to produce something better than removing the testing. He's using that to cause you to learn, to persevere, and cause you to learn, to keep on keeping on, to cause you to learn, to say, I'm going to believe. I'm not going to doubt. Even if the circumstances say doubt, 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 I'm going to believe leave because I'm going to persevere and according to this word it says and it will develop maturity in me Woo! and I won't be tossed by the wind I'll tell you the enemy counts on you being tossed by the wind and the Lord is saying no I am causing you to learn to persevere I'm telling you over the last two years this COVID season, I get sick of that word COVID, but I'm just going to say that season. We can rename it if you want. But the point is this, the Lord has brought me to a new level of perseverance. You're going to overcome the challenge. Quit praying that it's removed and just start leaping over it. Just start hauling over it. Start breaking into it. So he wants to give us his thoughts about our circumstances. And he wants to produce Perseverance, which gives maturity. Let perseverance finish its work. So I'm going to say this. The Lord's divine change that he's doing is not necessarily the removal of the circumstances that are troubling you, but rather the transformation of your mind that you're not being double-minded anymore. He's all, I'm not going to remove those. I'm just going to teach you not to be double-minded. I'm going to teach you not to toss back and fro. Because the truth is this, every time a storm comes and you're double-minded again, all it takes is a storm around you to get you unsteady, to get you to fall. But rather, the Lord says, no, you're going to be a persevering per people. So, 
divine change that the Lord is doing in our lives has to do with perseverance. But it has to do with our mindset. Elijah addresses the mindset of the people. I'm going to say this too, New Testament. The remedy for double-mindedness. You say, you know, Pastor Lynn, I do, you know, I too get really double-minded about things. I say, you know, God is saying this, but then I start to, you know, doubt it, and I start to waver, and I start to think otherwise, and I start to believe what the world is saying. You know what the remedy for that double-mindedness is? Being a living sacrifice. Romans 12, 1 and 2, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world. Do you see the parallel of what Elijah is, is confronting the people? And they have conformed. See, the people of Israel had conformed to the pattern of that world, which is Canaanite worship, which was Baalism. And this scripture says, do not conform to the pattern of the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Why do you have your mind going back? Back and forth, being part of the world and then part of God, going, swinging back and forth. The, the answer to double-mindedness is to be a living a sacrifice and having a renewed mind, being transformed. That is the key. You know, it's interesting because in Elijah's situation, the people had leaders, King Ahab being one of them, who was an example of double-mindedness. You know, when you have leaders that are double-minded, and we have a lot of those, and I'm not, I'm not talking the world, people. I'm talking the church. This is a message for believers. This is not a message for the world. This is a message for us. When there are double-minded leaders in the church, all it does is it gives the followers the right to be double-minded. They're double-minded, therefore I can be double-minded. There is a higher standard leaders have. And in this situation, that's what's happened. Because the truth is this. Your leaders are the gatekeepers spiritually for you. Now, you can reject, you can receive. That's between you and God. But we're the gatekeepers we're the gatekeepers for what comes into this house. We're the gatekeepers for the message, keeping, keeping on message with what the Holy Spirit is saying and not just speaking it, but living it amongst you. My role, our pastoral role, is not only to talk, but to walk, to exemplify. To say, follow me as I follow Christ. I am very aware of that. And also, I, I find it a privilege. I find it a privilege. But let me just take it a step for, further. For you, what's your role? Oh, just to follow you, Pastor? No. When you go out there, you can say to other people, follow me as I follow Christ. You can say to your family members, follow me as I follow Christ. You can say to those who are far off, the prodigals, the people who have kind of maybe a little bit tainted view about uh, Christianity, follow me as I follow Christ. Come on. So Elijah's role and goal was to turn the hearts of the people 
back to the Lord. But how he does this first is he addresses their mindset. And today, I'm addressing your mindset. And you can be offended, and you can be angry, and you can, but you know what? If you are, just, just know this. It's a red flag. Because what you're to be is submitted and surrendered to the Holy Spirit. So this is what happens. So 1 Kings 18.22 shows us that Elijah, in the midst of this confrontation, turning the hearts towards the Lord, he is in the minority, and not only in the minority, the severe minority. He is one prophet. It says this, then Elijah said to the people, I, even I only, am left a prophet of the Lord, but Baal's prophets are 450 men. So you see this man being in the minority, and I'm going to say for us in this world that we live in here, we're in the minority, and we cannot fear being in the minority. See, the truth is this. Divine change cannot come until we fix our hearts and minds on the true and living God. Our hearts and minds. I just talked about the thoughts, but it also has to do with our emotions, our heart's affection. See, we're in a relationship with the Lord. And the truth is this. We do not have lasting change unless we think differently, have that transform mind. And I'm saying lasting change. The root and the, the, the word of God going down, the seed of the word going down and being rooted in your life has to do with how you're going to think about it and how you're going to, as far as your heart's affections towards the Lord as being number one. We have to think differently for lasting change. Ephesians 4, 22 through 24 says this, You are taught with regard to your former way of life to be put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds. To be made new in the attitude of your minds. I hear people talk about, I want a miracle. And, and you know, even the thirst conferences, I believe. But I, as I'm praying about the theme of I believe, it's not, I believe I want a miracle. I believe I want a baby. I believe I want, you know, prosperity. I believe I want a healing. I believe he can do that, which is true. But that's not what it's about. I believe in Jesus. I believe in you. And even if you don't do those things, I believe. I believe. It's not about the drought being broken. It's not about the waters falling. It's about my heart being turned towards him. See, it's, it begins in you. Jesus said the kingdom of God is not the signs externally, but it's within you. So you bring the kingdom wherever you go because the kingdom is the presence of the king in you. But many times, and even in this state with Elijah and this story with Israel, that the Lord is using the external challenges to be a method God uses to address the internal things going on. He uses external things, external challenges to address our internal problems. So in other words, when they were having plenty of rain, they didn't really care that they had double-mindedness. They're like, okay, you know, I have God, I have Baal, I have all this stuff, it's all going good. But once the water faucet was turned off, 
the drought happened. Then God got their attention. You know what? Many times I find people don't turn to the Lord until the external things happen. They have left a long time, for a long time, the intimacy that they once knew with the Lord. Listen, we're talking about the people of God. We're talking about this nation that God created, God produced. He birthed the nation of Israel. These were his people. And what did they do? They left him. They left him. So what does he do? He says, you know, I'm going to address what I know is going on in your heart. But to get your attention, I'm going to cause things, allow things around you externally, the blessings to dry up. I find, this feels like a lot harder message than when I wrote it for some reason. (laughs) Holy Spirit, you're good. But I know it's hard. I find that Christians... They receive from the Lord, you get the healing, you get the restoration, you get the prosperity, and all of a sudden, the nearness with the Lord, they get cooled off, little by little. It's not, it's not one day. They don't go, oh, okay, bye. It's just a little bit. Actually, my brother-in-law, Russ, we were talking yesterday because uh, we have to do some dietary changes in our life, uh, Pastor David and I. That's a long story. It's good. It's all good, but we have to do some dietary changes. Well, my brother-in-law, Russ, he also has had to have some dietary changes because of his cholesterol and sugar and whatever. So um, we were talking yesterday at our meal together, and he said, you know what? I know exactly what I need to do. I have had all of the teaching. I I know exactly what kind of diet I have to follow. I know exactly how to be fit. I've done it before, but here he is. Once again, in a very unhealthy state. And I said, Russ, where did it go wrong? What happened that caused you to turn from living in that healthy state, taking care of your body, eating what's right? Where did it go wrong? And he thought, and he said, you know where it went wrong? When I looked at some chocolate some chocolates, and I said, oh, those could be healthy chocolates. I'm going to bring them home, and we'll just have one a day. They're high-end chocolate. You know, the higher end the chocolate, the healthier it is, I guess. I don't know. And I'll just bring them home, and we'll just have one a day. And I thought to myself, isn't that what it's like? That we say, you know what? I don't need to be in the house of God. I'm just gonna be. Real. I'm gonna be so real with you today. I don't really need to pray and read my Bible every day. I was, you know what? I I didn't read my Bible. I didn't pray, and then later that day, somebody had something, and I prayed over them. Oh, the Holy Spirit was on me, so I guess I don't have to read my Bible and pray every day. I'm just being honest with you, people. Where does it begin? It doesn't begin with a launch. It begins with a baby step. And we find that that's human nature. We find that here. And so what God does is he says, you know what? Those baby steps have taken you from nearness with me, from closeness with me, from worship unto me alone as the priority. Now other gods are before me. Other things are before me. And now I'm going to turn off 
the faucet of blessing in your life to get your attention because my main concern for you is not water in your land, but your closeness with me, intimacy with me. So I'm going to say to you, people, the methods that God does use a lot of times to get our attention are some of the troubles we face. People returning to the house of the Lord because they have marriage problems or financial problems or problems with their child or, or health issues. And all of a sudden, they're back in the house of the Lord. And not that Lord caused them necessarily, but once the blessing faucet can turn off, it gets our attention. Because his number one goal for us is not blessing. His number one goal for us is intimacy with him. Closeness with him. Knowing him. Because we can't truly know ourselves until we know him. So we have Elijah here and he's by himself. One, 450. And what we find here is this. God is champion no matter how in the minority you are. You have to walk out your life this way, change agents, people with the anointing, the spirit of Elijah resting on you. You've got to walk out your life knowing that he is champion. That even if you are in minority that it doesn't matter. And some believers are so fearful of being in the minority. Why are you worried about being in the minority? Doesn't scripture say if God be for you, who can be against you? And we find this with Elijah. First Kings 18, 22, then Elijah said to the people, I even, I only am left a prophet of the Lord, but Baal's prophets are for 50 men. Let two bulls be given to us and let them choose one bull for themselves and cut it in pieces and lay it on the wood, but put no fire to it. And I will prepare the other bull and lay it on the wood and put no fire to it. And you will call upon the name of your God. And I will call upon the name of the Lord. And the God who answers by fire, he is God. And all the people answered, it is well spoken. Then Elijah said to the prophets of Baal, choose for yourselves one bull and prepare it first. For you are many. And call upon the name of your God, but put no fire to it. Why? Because remember, Baal is the God of fire. He's supposed to bring down the fire. And they took the bull that was given them, and they prepared it and called upon the name of Baal from morning until noon, saying, Oh, Baal, answer us. Isn't our world doing the same thing, asking for the, the world's gods to answer them, to remedy our situation? They're, they're asking. They're calling out. Oh, Baal, answer us. But there was no voice, and no one answered. And they limped around the altar that they had made. And at noon, Elijah mocked them, saying, Cry aloud for or he is a God. Either he is musing, or he is relieving himself, or he is on a journey, or perhaps he's asleep and must be awakened. And they cried aloud and cut themselves after their custom with swords and lances until the blood gushed out from upon them. And as midday passed, they raved on until the time of the offering of the oblation. And there was no voice. No one answered. No one paid attention. I'm going to say this. That's what our world is doing. It's looking for answers in the principalities and powers. But I'm going to say this. The majority ha had powerlessness. And even with the enemy, when, when people, when humans 
Go to the enemy's answers. It costs them. See, the enemy, don't ever think that the enemy likes you. The enemy hates humans. The enemy hates them. He's a hater. He never blesses them. And there is a harm that comes to humans when they surrender to the enemy. It may look like power. It may look like the world has power. But there's harm that comes to humans when they're surrendered to the powers of this world. But with our God, when he asks us to surrender, when he asks us to be a living sacrifice, you know what? We become empowered. We become blessed. We become transformed. So you see this this story revealing the powerlessness of the gods of this world in comparison to Jehovah. Even though Elijah is in the minority, and I'm going to say over this house and over you, because I know many of you are in situations where you are in the minority. Maybe you are in the minority of serving God in your family, minority in serving God in your place of uh, work, wherever, in your neighborhood, in your school, wherever you're at. The Lord is saying, I am more powerful than the majority. You may be in the minority physically, but you are not in the minority spiritually in power. The Lord is sending you that message. And I also want to say this, and I see actually some of the problems that we face in this world, the porthole of issues that our world faces with self-destruction and suicide and cutting themselves and all of these terrible things that we actually see manifested in our uh, self-harm of some form. We see this as a principality that wants to destroy humans. It's darkness. It's darkness. And there is a darkness that the world wants to convince you is light. There is a darkness that the world, the enemy, wants to convince you is powerful. There is a darkness that wants to deceive Christians, believers, followers of Christ, And I'm going to say too many Christians, because they're not near to the Lord, are accepting darkness. So how does this divine change happen for the people? The very first thing that Elijah says to them. 1 Kings 18.30. Then Elijah said, after the Baal prophets fail, he says to them, come near to me. Come near to me. Now, it's interesting because Elijah doesn't say, I'm going to come near to you. He says, you've got to make a decision. Come near to me. Come near to me. And the people came near to him, and he repaired the altar of the Lord that had been thrown down. Come near to me. I feel like the Holy Spirit is saying that. Come near to me. But you have to take the step. And then we're going to restore some things. 
come near to me, and we're going to restore some things. James 4, 8, come near to God, and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, you, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Why does James speak about double-mindedness again? In chapter 4, he already spoke about it in James chapter 1. He says, what is the remedy for double-mindedness going back and fro from, from thinking like the world to thinking the thoughts of God. He says, draw near to the Lord. And I'm going to say, if you're struggling with confusion, if you're struggling with, with dark thoughts, the answer is draw near to him. Draw near to him because the purpose is of drawing near to him. If you look at the text, he says, I'm going to restore not only the altar, but your identity. 1 Kings 18, 31. Elijah took 12 stones according to the number of the tribes of the sons of Jacob to whom the word of the Lord came, saying, Israel shall be your name. And with the stones he built an altar in the name of the Lord. There is a restoration of identity. What happens when we kind of stop being near to the Lord? We forget who we are. We forget who God is. We forget what our relationship to him is supposed to be like. And the Lord is saying, I'm calling back people. I'm calling back them to be near to me so that I could restore to them their identity. We've lost our identity. If you're confused or bewildered or insecure or fearful or anxious, draw near to him. You are not lost. You are found. The, draw near to him. He wants to restore your identity with him. Listen, Israel meant prince of God, but it not only meant prince of God, it meant contending and prevailing. In other words, I belong to God, and I'm also an overcomer. Israel meant I'm a prince of God, I belong to God, but I'm also one who overcomes. See, this is the thing, our identity, when we are far off from God, what we lose is the fact that we're overcomers. When we're looking to the ways of the world and to their answers, what happens is we forget that we're actually overcomers. So their spiritual drought brought a physical drought. And they didn't cry out to God until they had that physical drought. 1 Kings 18, 32 through 35 says this, And he made a trench about the altar as great as would contain two seas of seed. And he put the wood in order and cut the bull pieces and laid it on the wood. And he said, Fill four jars with water and pour it on the burnt offering and on the wood. And he said, Do it a second time. And they did it a second time. And then he said, Do it a third time. And they did it a third time. And the water ran around the altar, and filled the trench also with water. What was the need here? The physical need was water. What did Elijah put on the altar? Water. Just think, he's wasting all this water, and they're having a drought. I know people who report. I know people who report people for watering their lawns. We don't have the problem currently. We have rain. But the point is this. Their, all, their need... God is using the altar 
to pour water to show that, guess what? I have more than you need. In your drought, I have more than you need. I have the very thing that you need. But do you want water or do you want relationship with me? Do you want your need to be met or do you want relationship with me? Are you here so that there's water? So that the drought is broken? So that you get what you want because you looked everywhere else and it failed you? Or do you want relationship with me? And God's desire for his people first and foremost was relationship with him. 1 Kings 18, 36. And at the time of the offering of the oblation, Elijah the prophet came near and said, O Lord, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known this day that you are God in Israel. And that I am your servant. And that I have done all these things at your word. Answer me, O Lord, answer me. That this people may know that you, O Lord, are God. And that you have what? What was the desire? Turned their hearts back. Not that you, O Lord, have broken the drought. No, that you, O Lord, have turned their hearts back. See, he wanted closeness with the people. And we see now that God brings that divine intervention. 38, verse 38. Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt offering and the wood and the stones and the dust and licked up the water that was in the trench. And when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces and said, The Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. And Elijah said to them, seize the prophets of Baal. Let no one of them escape. And they seized them. And Elijah brought them down to the brook Kishon and slaughtered them there. Let's look at this. First, he says, I'm addressing your mindset. I'm addressing your thoughts. Then he says, draw near to God. Come back to the restoration of the altar. Come back to the identity that you have. Then what the people do is they proclaim. They proclaim the Lord, he is God. They say it. They proclaim it. And then what happens, their actions change. And they destroy the very thing that was in the way. That was between them and God. See, the truth is this. When we have a transformed mind, our words will change. And our actions will change. And then what happens after this big event is that Elijah says to Ahab in verse 41, Go eat and drink, for there is the sound of a heavy rain. See, this is the thing. Elijah's once again saying spiritually something has happened here before physical, spiritual. So Ahab went off to eat and drink, and Elijah climbed to the top of Carmel, bent down to the ground, and put his face between his knees. Go and look toward the sea, he told his servant. And he went up and looked. There is nothing there, he said. Seven times Elijah said, go back. The seventh time the servant reported, a cloud as small as a man's hand is rising from the sea. So Elijah said, go and tell Ahab, hitch up your chariot and go down before the rain stops you. Meanwhile, the sky grew black with clouds. The wind rose. A heavy rain started falling, and Ahab rode off to Jezreel. The power of the Lord came on Elijah, and tucking his cloak into his belt, he ran ahead of Ahab all the way to Jezreel. 
The drought was broken, but it was broken first in the spirit realm. So many times we want the physical drought to be broken, but the Lord is saying, I'm more concerned with the spiritual drought being broken. Perseverance. Elijah has just had fire fall from heaven, showing forth that Baal is a is a uh, not only a, a weak God, he, he is a God that doesn't even have any power in compared to Jehovah. But then Elijah goes and he prays for rain. Why does it take seven times for the servant to go up? Because what Elijah is doing, he's doing what James tells us to do. I'm going to persevere because I believe I am not double-minded about this. I'm going to persevere because what I believe God is going to do is more important than what I see in the physical realm. So he says, keep going up, keep going up, keep going up. Keep going up, keep going up, keep going up, keep going up, and the rain comes. Some of us, we give up because we're double-minded. We give up because we haven't drawn near. You know, it's interesting because James speaks about this. Later, James 5, 17 and 18 says, Elijah was a human being, even as we are. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. Again, he prayed, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its crops. He persevered. God is calling our house. He's calling you to persevere. But I'm going to tell you, it's really difficult to persevere unless you're, not, unless you're near to the Lord. You've got to be near to the Lord. Rebecca, come on up here. When I was praying about this message, the Lord was saying to me that he wants us to be change agents in our land and in our families and specifically in our family relationships. Specifically, whether it be biological family or uh, relatives, larger scope, or our friends that are like family or people who are like family, even our job situations that are like family, the Lord was saying to me that he is raising up an Elijah generation. He is raising up an Elijah generation. But we can't be an Elijah generation and be far off. We cannot be an Elijah generation and be double-minded. Do you hear what I'm saying? We cannot be an Elijah generation and serve Baal. We and we can't be an Elijah generation and, and uh, require being in the majority to have any power. No, we have to choose. We have to be surrendered. We have to be what that, that Romans 12, 1 and 2 says, that I am going to be a living sacrifice. So he's saying, I'm calling forth... An Elijah generation. It's interesting because the, the prophets in Malachi, verse 4, 5 through 6, speaking later of preparing the way of the Lord for Jesus. And when he came, says this, See, I will send the prophet Elijah to you before that great and dreadful day of the Lord comes. He will turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the hearts of the children to their parents, or else I will come and strike the land with total destruction. I like that. I, I, I want to break this down so you get it. He will turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the hearts of the children to their parents. Okay. Okay. 
Now, this scripture did speak of John the Baptist. Luke 1.17, it says this, He will also go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. See, prophetic words are like mountain peaks. Because Jesus came, didn't he? That's why we celebrate Christmas. Jesus came. And John the Baptist prepared that way. Having a, a season of repentance. Not for Gentiles, but for the people of God. But Jesus is coming again. Jesus is coming again. And he's raising up an Elijah generation. To do what? Let's turn the hearts of the fathers to the children. And the hearts of the children to their fathers. And in Luke 17, it goes further. The disobedient to the wisdom of the just. See, the fact is this. The Lord is raising up a generation. Like when we look at Elijah standing in front of Israel and against 450 prophets of Baal. He is revealing what the anointing of Elijah looks like. But the goal was to turn the hearts back to the Lord. What I want to say is this. The enemy has tried to cut off the line of the righteous. The enemy has attacked the family lines of those who have been servants or faithful to the Lord, of Christians. I've seen this, an epidemic in the church where the enemy's trying to cut off the faith line, the family's faith line. In other words, he's severing the faith following God truly knowing God so that it doesn't go from generation to generation. And the Lord is saying, my desire, my will is that this gift of the Holy Spirit, this faith that has been poured out to you and given to you, that it goes from generation to generation. See, the enemy wants to cut off your children. I'm going to go right there. The enemy wants to cut off your children from serving God. He wants to do that. And he's trying very hard. I'm, I'm getting really real. To succeed. And we're going to go after that. Because in this house, we're going to have an anointing of the Elijah spirit. Where the hearts of the children turn back to the true and living God. Come on, can we get that? Do you want that? Burn it in me, God. I hear the sound of the abundance of rain. I hear, I believe you, Lord. I'm going to persevere, Lord. I'm going to keep praying. 
I'm going to keep praying because I know that the abundance of rain is coming. Lord, I pray, break off the spiritual drought over my family line. Come on, come on, come on. What I want you to do with the papers that you have, I want you to write down names. You don't have to write full names because it's not, it's not for Pastor David and I. We're not going to collect. We're not going to post it. We're not going to do any of that. It's just for you. I want you to write down names of people that are far off from God. You say, well, maybe they're kind of still a Christian. They're just a prodigal. Write their name down. Write their name down. One year ago, one year ago, um, Pastor David and I actually flew back to be in Alabama with my son and my daughter-in-law. And we went to a church service on the first Sunday of the year. And I remember in that church service, the Lord said, what do you want? And I said, Lord, all I want is my children to serve you. I don't care if I have wealth. I don't care if I have prosperity. I don't care if I have success. But I want this. For me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And I don't mean, I don't mean like, oh, they're Christians, but they're really not living like this. I mean that they serve the Lord, that they walk near to the Lord. The Lord brought this back up to me while he was giving me this message because he said the people need to know that the spirit of Elijah, the Holy Spirit that dwelled on Elijah, can dwell on them. That the Lord says, I want you to believe God for your children and your children's children. I want you to believe me, even if you have to send back up the servant seven times. Keep looking. Keep looking. We're going to believe. We're going to believe because this is the thing about the scripture in James verse 19 because we just said Elijah was a human being who earnestly prayed it would not rain and it did not rain in the land for three and a half years again he prayed and the heavens gave rain and the earth produced its crops verse 19 says my brothers and sisters if in if one of you should wander from the truth and someone should bring that person back. Remember this, whoever turns a sinner from the error of their ways will save them from death and cover over a multitude. The context to that scripture about Elijah earnestly praying was to bring back people who are far from the Lord. See, the context of that is to say, because we look at Elijah and his role was to cause people to, to turn back, the children of God to be turned back to their father, to Jehovah, to Abba. And the Lord is saying, I am bringing the anointing of Elijah upon you to have your children's hearts turn back to the Lord to have your brothers, your sisters, whoever it may be, turn back to the Lord. I want you to stand up with me.
See, I started this message to say battle strategy. What is the battle strategy? The Lord is saying the battle strategy is that you walk with the anointing of Elijah. The battle strategy is this. You're going to believe God. You're going to fervently pray. You're going to see the hearts of the children turn back to their fathers. Come on. I feel like there's such a battle over this, actually. I'm all like, I'm sweating like bullets, man. I'm all like, I feel like Elijah. I feel like Elijah. I feel like, you know what, I'm, I'm fighting for something. I'm fighting. You know what I'm fighting for is that your mentality, your mindset would be that it would happen. That you believe God for this. That you say, I believe God. I know that that time has passed. I know that you see things in your family or situations. You say, I don't think it can happen in the physical. But that's what God wants to break off your mindset and say, believe me. Changing your mindset. I believe. I'm going to fervently pray. I'm going to believe, Lord. Pastor Rebecca is going to sing the blessing. As we, uh, what I want you to do with your papers is I just want you to lay them on the altar. And by doing so, you're believing God. But it doesn't end there. It begins there. It says, Lord, okay, here we go. We're going into 2022. I'm going to believe you for this. And I'm going to be fervent in it. And I'm going to pray. Go ahead, Rebecca. Lord bless you and keep you, make his face shine upon and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. Amen. 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 May his favor be upon you in a thousand generations, and your family, and your children. Their children and their children. May his favor be upon you in a thousand generations. And your family and your children, children and their children. May his favor be upon you in a thousand generations. And your family and their children and their children. Children, may his presence go before you and behind you and before you, all around you and within you. He is with you, he is with you in the morning, in the evening, in your coming and your going, in your weeping and rejoicing. He is for you, he is for you, he is for you. He is for you. He is for you. He is for you. 
I had Rebecca sing this song because it speaks about a thousand generations. The baton being passed. The baton of knowing God. The baton of, of intimacy with God being passed from generation to generation. And oh, how the enemy wants to cut off that. How he wants to cut it off. The blessing of God from flowing. The favor of God from flowing to the next generation. And I am declaring and decreeing over this house. See, because it's not God's will for your children to be far off. I'm going to tell you, if you ever believe that, that's from the enemy. If you ever believe, you know, this old concept, oh, you got to have one black sheep. No, you don't. No, you don't. That's a lie. Your children, I'm going to tell you, your children belong to the Lord. Your relatives, maybe you have brothers and sisters that left the faith for whatever reason. They belong to the Lord, and the Lord wants to draw them back to Him. And I believe 2022 is a year that we're going to believe for this. Do you believe? Do you believe? Do you believe? Do you believe? The Holy Spirit is calling you forth. He's saying, do you believe? Do you believe? According to the power that is at work in you, I want to do exceedingly, abundantly, more than you can ask or imagine, but it's according to the power that is at work in you. Do you believe? I believe you, Lord. I believe you, Lord. I believe the rain's coming. I believe the drought is going to be broken. And I'll keep watching. I'll keep praying. I'll persevere. I'll persevere. I won't give up. Come on. Come on. I won't give up. I believe you, Lord. Let's raise our hands to the Lord and surrender. And it's like, Pastor Lynn, my goodness. It's like, you know what? We're going to swing hard. I'm going to tell you this. The enemy's swinging hard. We're swinging hard back. We're swinging hard. We're swinging hard. I'm not going to accept. I'm not going to be lackadaisical. I'm not going to re receive the report of the circumstance or the world or the therapist or whatever you want to say. I'm not going to receive that report. I receive the report of the Lord. Transform my mind. Transform the way I think about it. Transform how I think and see my children, my relatives, my friends, my co-workers, whoever. Transform my thinking, Lord, so that I see see so that I carry Elijah anointing with me drawing people back to you come near to him come near to him your identity is belonging to him he has favor for you he's caused you to be an overcomer but draw near to him draw near to him Ooh. the generations will not be cut off from the families of this church will not 
will not. But it will go. The favor will go from generation to generation. The faith will go from generation to generation. The blessing, the anointing of God, the faithfulness of people will go from generation to generation. Woo! Come on. And your children. Come on, every generation. Be upon you and a thousand generations. And your family and their children and their children and their children. May his favor be upon you and a thousand generations. And your family and their children and their children and their children. His presence go before you and behind you and beside you, all around you and within you. He is with you, He is with you in the morning, in the evening, in your coming and your going, in your weeping and rejoicing. He is for you, He is for you, He is for you, He is for you. Lord, we receive your word. We receive your word over us, Lord. On this day, Lord, the last Sunday of 2021, we receive your word. And not only your word, but your assignment. Your assignment, your anointing, your perspective, your truth. Lord, we're going to walk out of this place going into 2022. We're going to believe your word. We're going to believe what you say. And we're going to expect the rain to come. We're going to expect the rain. And Lord, when we start seeing the small things come together, like Elijah saw the cloud, the size of a man's hand. He's all, he's here. The rain is here. When we start, we're going to rejoice in the small winds. We're going to rejoice in those things, Lord, knowing that the rain is coming, that the spiritual drought is going to be broken over our homes, our families, our lives, whatever we want to say. We're going to rejoice in that, Lord. We're going to look for it. We're going to pray for it. And we're going to rejoice in it, Lord. We thank you, Father, for your word. We submit to it. We surrender. We rejoice in your word, Lord. In your precious name, amen. God bless you as you go and have a great New Year's.